Cinderella is ready to go dancing, and you're listening to the podcast that will help you out. All Andy Alfred. Tune in this Wednesday for a special edition of All Andy Alfred as we preview the 2019 NCAA March Madness Tournament. Hear the games and hear the predictions from yours truly, Andy Alfred, and hear who he believes will be dancing away with the trophy in Minneapolis. Tune in this upcoming Wednesday night and on any of the platforms with the Anchor Network, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podcast Now. And you can follow the show on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. So tune in this Wednesday for a special edition of All Andy Alfred, the NCAA Bracketology 2019. The Jackets split the weekend and head to Western Canada to see if they will be playing for Lord Stanley's Cup come the middle of April. The Walleye take two or three out of the weekend and Cincinnati sweeps the week. It puts them further and further ahead of the Walleye run. Baseball is finally around the corner. We'll talk a little baseball tonight. We'll hit the mat as well, too, and talk some WWE and a big contract signing today for a certain individual. But that all goes away starting Thursday with the NCAA tournament. We'll preview the first four and tell you who I have going in the final four. St. Patrick's Day weekend has come and gone. But the green beer is still pouring right here on All Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. 24 runs in the span of the Shut out. Gambino! Hip to a home run! Yes, me. Choo choo, it's time for All Andy Alfred. And with that, I say, oh, I love you guys. And welcome into another edition of All Andy Alfred right here. On the Anchor Network, and you are listening to me on the plethora of platforms, whether it be on Apple and Apple Music. Thank you so very, very much for tuning in tonight, as well as on Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, Stitcher, also on Spotify. However you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, and whenever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program tonight, and you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at all Andy Alfred, it is at All Andy Alfred. So welcome aboard here into the Man Cave Studios here in Toledo, Ohio, on this the 18th of March, 2019. Got a lot to get into tonight. We're all we're going to talk a little bit about the WWE, a big contract signing today, as well as a possible roster move going to be happening, as well. We'll also dive into some spring training news and notes to pass along to you guys, and. You will also hear the preview edition, of course. You'll hear the first four, my take on the first four games in the NCAA tournament. And you heard at the beginning of the podcast, we are doing a special version of All Andy Alfred this upcoming Wednesday night. It will be a special version of All Andy Alfred as we will break down the 2019 March Madness edition. 
We will be running away with Cinderella and lifting the trophy in Minneapolis, Minnesota this upcoming April as we begin the journey together this upcoming Thursday. But this Wednesday, you will hear my opinion on, well, of course, who I think is going to be in the Final Four and hear all my predictions on all the games as well. You will also hear a taste, a taste tonight of the podcast for that game for this upcoming Wednesday as we're getting a little bit of, you're going to get a little bit of a sneak preview when it comes to that so welcome aboard to all Andy Alford tonight got a lot to get into first and foremost we're going to start with the Union Blue that is the Columbus Blue Jackets as we march our way to the 2019 NHL playoffs as the Jackets are had a couple big games this past weekend and two uh, with playoff teams in particular that Columbus definitely needed the points. And it all started when I last left you on Wednesday. They came back, beat Boston by a score of 7 to 4 with Boone Jenner getting the getting a hat trick of the game. The night before that, they lost to the Islanders and got shut out. So they had a big game this up past Friday night as they took on the Carolina Hurricanes and Sergei Bobrovsky. What can you say about this guy? Absolutely a dominating performance. Fantastic between the pipes. Another sellout crowd at Nationwide Arena this past Friday night as the Jackets took on the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, Carolina is ahead of the Jackets when it comes to the wildcard standings. Columbus on the in this holding the second wild card position. And if the playoffs started today, they would play the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll get into all that in so much more in just a little bit. But first and foremost, breaking down the game from Friday night at Nationwide Arena. Started the scoring with the newcomer for the Blue Jackets, Adam McQuay, getting his third of the season from Artemi Panarin, his 50th assist of the season from the bread man. Atkinson also on the assist, his 26th of the season. It was 1-0 CBJ. Before then, David Savard bearing it past Peter Morazic at the 5.54 mark. Not even two minutes after the Adam McQuay goal. The defense coming up big for the Jackets. And it was 2-0 Blue Jackets after 20 minutes of play. Boone Jenner getting the assist, his 20th of the season. And Bob was absolutely stellar in the game. Literally a five-minute barrage during the game in the second and third period where he was just making save after save after save after save after save. And I'm going to tell you this again. When free agency starts, if he is not with this team, he's going to get paid somewhere. So we have to keep Bob and dump the bread. I'll keep saying it over and over again, folks. Bob is key for this team. The Jackets need Sergei Bobrovsky more than they need Artemi Panarin. We have Matt Duchesne. We have Ryan Dezingle. We have four solid forwards. We don't need anybody else. We don't need a player that is so self-centered and dangles the puck too much. Let's see, you're going to say to me, well, Andy, you know, he has a lot of goals for this team this year, 
and he's done so much for the last two years with the Jackets. Why do you want to dump the bread? Listen, I want to dump the bread because he dangles the puck too much. He thinks more of himself before he thinks of his teammates. He plays with the puck way too much. And he, 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 he he's not team-focused. He really isn't. If you look at the way that he plays, he doesn't get the play developed. Now, he's been shuffled around so much with Atkinson and Dubois, and then he had he had Duchesne, and the lines have been shooken up by, by Tortorella so much, I don't know whether it's a Pina Colada or if it's a Martini, or it's just been shaken up so much. It's absolutely ridiculous. But the one thing that we are for certain is that the consistency has been there in between the pipes for Bobrovsky. Every time he has made a start, he has been locked down. Now, you, you, you look back at the Boston matchup, he was locked down there. You look at the Carolina in this matchup, he was locked in for this game. And he was. Josh Anderson getting the third goal in the third period in the empty net at the 17-20 mark of the third period, capping up the Jackets. Big victory, shutting out the Carolina Hurricanes, the bunch of jerks, by a score of three to nothing. Carolina out shooting the Jackets in the game, forty-six to twenty. Jackets dominating in the faceoff department at fifty-five percent to Carolina's forty-five percent. Uh, both teams over on the power play. The Jackets were out hitting the game, twenty-three to nineteen. Peter Morazic stopping seventeen of nineteen. His save percentage, a solid .895. Bobrovsky stopping all 46 of 46. Save percentage of a .10. The three stars of the game look like this. Bobrovsky getting the number one star. The number two star, Adam McQuaid. The number three star was Josh Anderson. So the Jackets getting a big win. They needed this win against Carolina so they could help their case out to get further into a better wildcard position so they could play the Washington Capitals or the New York Islanders. We get to Saturday. Now, Saturday was a big game in Boston on St. Patrick's Day weekend. Now, now the Jackets had this huge game against Boston, and I knew we were going to be in trouble in this game because it's Boston, it's at TD Garden, and then you see Colin McGregor, Come out, romping around in the suit, dropping the ceremonial puck because it's St. Patrick's Day weekend. It's Irish Heritage Weekend. Drops off the puck, and Boston was out to an early one nothing lead for Patrice Bergeron, scoring first for the Boston Bruins on Saturday. Now. There's nothing that Corpusalo could do in the game. Corpy did make the start in the game. Bergeron, his 27. Marchant getting his 56. David Krejci, his 44th assist of the game. It was 1-0 Boston. 5-51 in the first period. Then Matt Duchesne stepping up to the plate. It is about time Matt start getting something together. His 30th of the season, third with the Jackets, and we're tied at one. 
Nuvara and David Savard on the assist. We were tied at one after 20 minutes, and that's how it stood for another 40 minutes. We went to overtime in this game. The Jackets did pick up a point, but however, we could not get the bonus point as Brad Marchant beats Jonas Corposalo in overtime, three minutes and 30 seconds into overtime to win the game. It's 31st of the season. Bergeron, the assist, his 40th of the season. And the Jackets fall to the Boston Bruins at TD Garden by a score of 2-1. Corposalo stopping 31 of 33 in the game. His save percentage, a solid, and I give Corpy all the credit for it, stopping 31 of 33 in the game. Save percentage of a .939 in the game. For Boston in the game, it was two, It was uh, Halak in the game, stopping 24 of 25. His save percentage, a .960. In the game, the stats, like I said, the Bruins... Out shooting the Jackets 33 to 25. The Jackets losing in the faceoff department 53% to 47%. Boston 1 for 2 on the power play. Columbus 0 for 1. The Jackets and Bruins tied in the hits department. Looking at the season series for this game. Oh, and by the way, the three stars look like this. Marchant getting the number one star. Patrice Bergeron, the number two star. And Corpusalo getting the number three star. So I give the Boston fans credit. And the Boston Riders credit for giving him the three stars. You look at the season series with Boston. The Jackets winning their first the first game this past Tuesday night by a score of seven to four. They lose on Saturday two to one. The final game of the series will be back at Nationwide Arena on April the second at seven o'clock at Nationwide Arena. So it'll be a big game for the Jackets in April to see if they can win. So now. This will continue for the road trip. The Jackets have a huge road trip. This is the big one. This is the last big road trip of the season, which makes them go out to Western Canada. The Jackets hit the road and go now to Western Canada for three pivotal games that could honestly, in my opinion, determine if this team is legit. They have a game this upcoming Tuesday, tomorrow night at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So you know yours truly will be up late because we're watching the first four. And then we're watching the Jackets game. Jackets in Calgary to take on the, the Flames. The Flames 44 and 21 and 7 overall. The Jackets 40, 28 and 4. 9 o'clock at Penn, at Scotiabank Saddledome Stadium in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. 9 o'clock that game is on FSO as well as on Sportsnet and if you have an ESPN Plus. Then the Jackets will then on Thursday head into Edmonton to take on Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers struggling this season. 9 o'clock puck drop at Rogers Place before then Sunday night. There is no Hockey Night in Canada game. Sunday night in Vancouver that puck drop a 10 p.m. Puck drop, 7 o'clock out in Vancouver as they take on the Canucks. The Canucks struggling. So here's the situation with the Jackets. This road trip for the Jackets is a key one. They have to pick up at least five to to get five, po- five or more points. They have to. They can either get a, a, a overtime loss in Calgary, and I think Calgary's a very good team this year. 
Edmonton is down this year. I think the oil if they can't beat the Oilers, then we know that this team isn't going to go to the playoffs. If they lose to Vancouver, it's pretty much a, a lock for me that they're not making the playoffs. So these games are key, which then sets up for next Tuesday night. Yes, next Tuesday night, the Jackets and the New York Islanders. A pivotal game, a possible first-round matchup in the playoffs for this team. If the Islanders continue their way and they get past the Capitals, which we'll break down here in just a second, if they could get past them the first, and, they, and the Jackets could get the first wildcard position, they would play the Metropolitan Division winner in first place, which would be either the Islanders or the Capitals. Big game for the Jackets this upcoming Tuesday, and we will be there at Nationwide Arena. The Jackets taking on the Islanders. It's a 7 o'clock puck drop. Looking forward to being in the capital city to see the Jackets take on the Washington Capitals. So looking going forward, looking at the schedule for the, for the CBJ after the Islanders game, they are at home Thursday night, another pivotal game. For this team, they go and play the Montreal Canadiens. And the Canadiens are on the outside looking in at a playoff spot. So this is a big game for the Canadiens. If they can beat the Jackets, they get themselves into the wildcard race. Absolutely get themselves into the wildcard race. Then they are on the road to Nashville, at on the road to Buffalo. Come back home for the last home game of the year against those Boston Bruins, like we mentioned on April 2nd, and finish up the campaign April 5th and 6th in New York to take on the Rangers and at Ottawa to take on the Senators. And then we have the playoffs. And you're listening to the home of the playoffs. All Andy Alford right here on the Anchor Network. So see what happens with the Jackets going forward and looking at some of the scores from last night in the NHL. Some pivotal games for the Jackets and points that they needed Helped them out a little bit with the Pittsburgh Penguins falling in overtime to the Philadelphia Flyers at PBJ Paints Arena in downtown Pennsylvania in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania by a score of 2-1. to one. Games and news notes to pass along. They're focusing on the Jackets. The Islanders getting a 3-2 win against the Wild in overtime. You have the Devils losing to the Avalanche by a score of 3-2. Vegas, a 6-3 win over the Edmonton Oilers. It was Dallas losing to Vancouver in a shootout by a score of 3-2. Tonight on the docket, a light schedule. Four games on the docket. Sees Arizona in Tampa to take on the Lightning at 7 o'clock at 8.30. Sees on the NHL Network. Vancouver in Chicago to take on the Blackhawks. 10.30 start times look like this. The Jets, Winnipeg, are in L.A. to take on the Kings. And the Golden Knights of Las Vegas will take on the Sharks. The next game besides the Jackets, big game against the Calgary Flames tomorrow night. Here is the docket for Tuesday night's games. Look like this. Besides Columbus taking on the Calgary Flames at 9 o'clock, it will be the following games. It will be Toronto is in Nashville to take on the Predators. The Bruins are in Nassau to take on the Islanders. Detroit is in New York to take on the Rangers. Montreal is on the road to take on the Flyers. A big, pivotal matchup for these two teams 
Philadelphia uh, trying to catch Montreal for the second to last second spot to get past them to get into the you know on the outside looking in of the wild card race. Carolina is at home to take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. So we're kind of rooting for Pittsburgh in that game. I have to root for Pittsburgh in that one. Washington is in New Jersey to take on the Devils. The Oilers are in St. Louis to take on the Blues. Minnesota is at home to take on Colorado. And Florida is in Dallas to take on the Stars. Looking at the standings going into tonight's play, this is what it looks like. This is a big, pivotal road trip for the Blue Jackets. And we'll start first, though, with the Atlantic Division. It is held in first place by none other than the Tampa Bay Lightning with a record of 55-13-4 with 114 points. Boston, with their win on Saturday night over the Jackets, are now 43-20-9 with 95 points, firmly holding the second position. They're going to probably be playing Toronto, who is in third right now in the Atlantic Division with a record of 43-24-5 with 91 points. Here is the Metropolitan Division as of right now. The New York Islanders are in first place with a record of 42-23-7 with 91 points. Washington, 42-23-7 as well with 91 points. The Islanders holding the tiebreaker in that standpoint. The Pittsburgh Penguins are 39, 24, and 10 with 88 points. And here is the wild card standings. And these are key for the Jack for us Jacket fans. The win on, on Friday and the point that we got on Saturday helps the Jackets out in some standings. Here's why. Carolina is in first place with the second first wild card position with a record of 39-25 and 7. They have a total of 85 points. Columbus, 40, 28, and 4. 84 points. So, a Jacket win and a Carolina loss tomorrow. The Jackets hump over. Carolina get the first wild card position. And that's pivotal because... The Montreal Canadiens are 37-28-7 with 81 points. The Flyers are 35-29-8 with 78 points. Montreal and Philadelphia are playing each other. You don't need to tell me those are two big points for both teams. Philly gets wins that game. They're at 80 points. They're right behind Montreal. Florida is 32-28-12 with 76 points. They're technically still in it. But they have to win out. Buffalo is mathematically eliminated. They're 31, 32, and 9 with 71 points. The Rangers are 28, 31, and 13 with 69 points. The Devils are 27, 37, and 9 with 63 points. Detroit, 25, 37, and 10 with 60 points. And the worst team in the NHL right now, the Ottawa Senators at 25, 41, and 6 with 56 points. Western Conference standings look like this. Winnipeg holding strong in the Central Division with the record of 42-25-4 with 88 points. Nashville, 41-27-5 with 87 points. St. Louis is 37-27-8 with 82 points. In the Pacific Division, Calgary has clinched a playoff spot since we last talked to you. They are now 44-21-7 with 95 points. Hopefully, maybe they're going to not dress their starters as much. Take a night off. Tomorrow night against our boys in Union Blue, but I doubt it. They're going to be playing strong. 
San Jose 43, 21 and 8 with 94 points. Vegas is 40, 27 and 5 with 85 points. Excuse me, San Jose has 94 points. Vegas has 85 points in the Pacific Division. The wild card standings and the West is pretty much still open for interpretation. Here's why I say that. Dallas is holding in first spot, the first wild card position with a record of 37, 29 and 6 with 80 points. Arizona is 36, 30, and 6 with 78 points. On the outside looking in is the Minnesota Wild with a record of 34, 30, and 9 with 77 points. Colorado, 31, 29, and 12 with 74 points. Three points difference. Four points difference, really. Chicago is the surprise to me right now. They're 32. 30 and 9 with 73 points. There's a three way race for that second wild card spot that Arizona's holding right now between Chicago, Colorado, and Minnesota. These big games for each team going forward. On the outside from those three, Edmonton is 32, 33, and 7 with 71 points. Jackets can get a big win with them. Vancouver is 30, 32, and 10 with 70 points. Could be a big win for the Jackets on Sunday, hopefully. Knock on wood. Anaheim is 30, 35, and 9 with 69 points. And the LA Kings are in last place in the Western Conference with a record of 25, 38, and 8 with 58 points. So the Jackets, big games starting tomorrow night, 9 o'clock at, at Scotiabank Saddle Dome as they take on the Calgary Flames. Then they head to Edmonton to take on the Oilers. And finish up the Western Canadian road trip with the Vancouver Canucks this upcoming Sunday night at Rogers Place. So we'll see what happens with that. As you are listening to All Andy Offer tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now let's continue to hit the ice and talk about the premier double A hockey teams. In the ECHL, specifically the Toledo Walleye and the Cincinnati Cyclones. So a big weekend for the Fish and the Walleye as they are battling out last two weeks of the regular season in the East Coast Hockey League, which is the AA affiliate of the NHL. And we both recap both the Walleye and the Cincinnati Cyclones. The Cyclones are a big part of the of the Ohio Sports Spectrum. So we cover both teams in the ECHL. So we'll start with the Cyclones. They had a big game this past Wednesday night at U.S. Bank Arena in downtown Cincinnati, Ohio, as they took on the nemesis for the Wally, the Fort Wayne Comets. And the Comets coming out strong in the first period, getting a 2-0 lead early from Matt Batista. Batista, his 12th and 13th of the season, it was 2-0 Fort Wayne before Jesse Schultz getting his, his 19th of the season. It was 2-1, but then it was Marlowe, his 10th of the season, and Flanagan, his first with the Fort Wayne Commons, and it was 4-1 halfway th- at the beginning of the third period. Then Cincinnati poured it on. Four goals in the third period. Paul, his 24th. Marnell, his 15th. Brady Vale, his 24th. And the capper of it all, at the 1941 mark of the third period, 
It was Golson, his first as a Cyclone. And the Cyclones come from behind, down 4-1 in the game to score four unanswered to beat the beat the the Comets by a score of 5 to 4. Cincinnati out shooting the the Comets in the game 35 to 20. Both teams one for on the power play, Cincinnati one for four, Fort Wayne one for five. Michael Hauser gets the win, he stopped 16 of 24. Fulel gets the loss, he stopped 30 of 35 in the game a good solid crowd. Of 2,513 at U.S. Bank Arena. Time of the game, 2 hours and 28 minutes. That was a big game for the Cyclones on Wednesday night because the Walleye had a huge weekend at the Huntington Center as it was pink in the rink as they took on the Kalamazoo Wings on Friday night and saw the Walleye getting a huge win by a final score of 4-3. to three. It started off with Brian Moore, his 15th of the season, getting the goal, his 15th of the season from Moffat and Sadaway for Kalamazoo. Sadler getting his 8th of the season in the first period, tying the game at one of the one apiece before Crane getting his 16th of the season for the Fish. And it was 2-1 after 20 minutes of play. Matt Register and Brian Moore on the assist. The, the Walleye continued their scoring way. Way with with Corrick. He has six of the season as the Walleye took a two, a three to one lead, excuse me, a two goal lead for Sadler, getting his second of the evening, his ninth overall from Van Down from Van Allen and Blaney. And it was three two in favor of the fish before Hunter Smith getting his sixth of the season from Ben Storm. And it was four two Cincinnati uh four two in favor of Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo made it close in the third period with Damanotti, his second of the season from Blaney and McDonald. Tyler Spiza was awarded a penalty shot in the third period at the 9.50 mark. And to no avail, they did not score on that penalty shot. But in the end, it was Pat Nagel getting the win for the Fish as they cruise to a, as they get a 4-3 win over the Kalamazoo Wings. The fish getting fish out shooting the K Wings by a score of 36 to 21. Kalamazoo 1 for 4 on the power play. Toledo 0 for 2. Nagel stopping 18 of 21 in the game. Nubakov stopping 32 of 36. So the wall at 4-3 win at the Huntington Center. And at US Bank Arena, it was the clones and the wheeling nailers, and the clones putting up a beatdown. On the Nailers, hammering the Nailers by a score of five to one. Five to one. Foss Goldtoff is fifteenth of the season. Alex Weidman and Pierre Akant his twenty-fourth of the season. It was three nothing after twenty minutes of play in the game. Before wheeling then. Koros getting his nineteenth of the season from Winston Daychief and Sorowski. And it was 3-1 wheeling after 3-1 Cyclones after 40 minutes of play. Alex Weidman and Jesse Schultz burying the puck past goaltender Ruby. His Weidman is 22nd and Schultz is 20th. And the Cyclones cruise to a 5-1 win at U.S. Bank Arena. Cyclones were outshot in the game by the Wheeling Nailers by a score of 23-21. Cincinnati 2-4 on the power play. Wheeling 
Ofer on the power play. Rumor getting the win for the Cyclones, stopping 22 of 23. Ruby stopping 16 of 21 in the game. So the Cyclones getting a big win. Excuse me, at US Bank Arena on Friday night. Saturday saw the fish continuing their pink in the rink weekend as they took on the Wheeling Nailers, who were in Cincinnati the night before. And they got a 3-2 win over the Wheeling Nailers. Dylan Sadaway starting off the scoring for the Fish at the 6.02 mark of the first period from Brian Moore. It was 1-0 Walleye. Wheeling getting a goal in the first period as well, too. Crescenberg his 16th of the season for Butcher and Lynch. 14.32 mark of the first period. Before then, after 20 minutes of play, it was one apiece. The Fish tallying two in the second period. From A.J. Jenks, his 19th of the season for Corporal Tansy and Shane Birchback on the assist. Brian Moore getting his 16th of the season from Justin Kia at the 434 mark of that same period. And it was then Fleck getting his 6th of the season for the Wheeling Nailers from Lynch. And it was 3-2 after 40 minutes of play. And that was the final at the Huntington Center as the Walleye getting a, a 3-2 win. The Fish out shooting the Nailers 34-29. Both teams 0 for on the power play. Wheeling 0 for 5. Toledo 0 for 6. Pat Nagel stopping 27-29. O'Connor stopping 31-34. And by the way, I want to make mention of this. If you were at the game, Dylan Sadaway's first period goal, in my opinion, after seeing the highlight and seeing the replay, that should have not have been a goal. It went post, post, and out. Now, Matt Milzak during the broadcast may mention that the net moved. Now, if you look at it, when the net moved, it moved because of the direction of the how hard the shot was taking. It went back a little bit. And everybody, everybody including Matt Melzak, said that the puck... Moved the net across the line. Moved the because the puck was across the line. It moved the net further back. Now, if you look at it, how it looked in the replay, in my opinion, it did not look like the puck went in. It went post, post, and out. So technically, that is no goal in both the NHL, AHL, and ECHL. Now, the guys on the ice called it a goal. They went to the video review, which is what the ECHL has four buildings this year that has player that has review. The Walleye have one of them. Kalamazoo has the other one. The other one is in Worcester as well as in Adirondack. Now, I've seen it used twice so far this year. Once against Kalamazoo and once against Cincinnati. The wheeling game shows the inconsistency of review. Two out of the three reviews this year that have taken place have been in favor of the walleye. This one was in favor of the walleye. The Cincinnati one was not in favor of the walleye, of course, because the walleye did give up the goal. But the communication between the goal judge and the official was there. But in my opinion, it was no goal. It should have not have counted and we should have had an overtime game if we we could play it. Now, if I was wheeling and I and O'Connor said it best during the post interview, he said in quote that it when he looked back, 
he heard ding, ding, and out. And the next thing you know, he heard the goal horn. You could clearly see it on the replay. The puck never crossed the line. It went ring on the line, but it never crossed it. So in my opinion, my opinion, it should have been no goal. I'm sorry for you walleye fans. I know I'll get ridiculed for this, but the walleye got lucky on that call. They absolutely got lucky on that call. And O'Connor was pissed. He threw the net, pushed it off the moorings. Fans wanted a penalty call for unsportsmanlike conduct. Never got it. What is there to do? What? What is there to do? Can't really, can't really do anything about it. So, the Walleye a three-two win over the Wheeling Nailers on Friday. Excuse me, on Saturday night, Kalamazoo was in Cincinnati to take on the Cyclones, and the Cyclones putting up again a huge win, sweeping the week for them by sweeping the Kalamazoo Wings. By a score of 3 to nothing, Brady Vale, his 25th of the season in the first period, 25 seconds into the game from Patrick Akin. It was 1-0 after 20 minutes of play. Eric Cadoro getting the goal started in the second period, his 16th of the season from Brad Johnson. And then it was Mark Murnell, his 16th of the season from, from Golson and Bite Beeson at the 18-24 mark of the second period. And that was it. Cyclones, a big... 3-1 win over the Kalamazoo Wings at U.S. Bank Arena, shutting out the Kalamazoo Wings. Michael Hauser getting the win and stopping all 28 of uh, 28 shots. Both teams had 28 shots on the game. Hildebrand stopping 25 of 28 in the game for, for Kalamazoo. Both teams 0 for on the power play, 0 for 3 on each side of the penalty. A pretty clean game when it comes to this past Saturday at U.S. Bank Arena. So, could the Walleye then had a game Sunday? Cincinnati was done for the week. They traveled to Kalamazoo to see the Cyclones on a green night, green beer, green ice night. The tradition continues in Kalamazoo for green ice on St. Patrick's Day. And the Walleye come up on the short end of the stick. They played, They all the scoring was done in the first period as Kalamazoo Collins gets the 27th of the season from Neal and Sorensen. It was 1-0 Kalamazoo. Czar then at the 12-39 mark of the first period from Sorensen and Collins on the power plate. It was 2-0 Kalamazoo before Dylan Sadaway, his 21st of the season from A.J. Jenks and Jordan Topping on the power play makes it 2-1 in favor of Kalamazoo. And that's it. All the scoring was done in the first period. It was lights out for Konevic. Stopping 33 of 34 in the game. Caden Fulcher stopping 20 of 30 as the walleye fall to the, the, the K-Wings by a score of 2 to 1. Toledo outshot Kalamazoo in the game 34 to 30. Toledo 1 for 3 on the power play. Kalamazoo 1 for 4. Time of the game 2 hours and 24 minutes. 5,333 on St. Patrick's Day itself. So... Looking forward into games going this weekend. Of this week, looks like this. The walleye will. Cal, excuse me. Cincinnati will have another game this 
upcoming Wednesday at U.S. Bank Arena as they take on the Wheeling Nailers. The Walleye then head to U.S. Bank Arena on Thursday night. A big game. 735 puck drop. If you're in Cincinnati, this is a game. I know Taron Brand, I'm going to tell you this right now. I know you're going to be watching the tournament, but this is a big game. Toledo 35-19-5-3. Cincinnati 45-10-4-3. Possibly clinching the division championship this upcoming Thursday night. Friday sees Toledo back at home to take on the Brampton B715 puck drop for that one. Fort Wayne will welcome in the Cincinnati Cyclones at the Memorial Coliseum in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Toledo then will play on Saturday night. As excuse me, they don't play Saturday night. They're on the next time after Friday night. They will be playing. Will be Sunday afternoon, five fifteen puck drop, as they take on the Fort Wayne Comets. Cincinnati will be in Indianapolis to take on the Indy Fuel. 3.05 puck drop for that one. Saturday also sees Cincinnati also off as well. So looking at the standings going into this week's play, looks like this. In the cent- in the Central Division for the Walleye. Big games. Big, big games going forward. Looks the division race looks like this. In first place are the Cincinnati Cyclones with a record of 45. See here, 45, 45, 10, and 4, and 3 with 97 points. They are the best team in the East Coast Hockey League. Toledo is 35, 19, 5, and 3 with 78 points. Fort Wayne, 31, 21, 3, and 6 with 71 points. Kalamazoo 31 27 2 and 2 with 68 points. Cincinnati's basically got the division. They have the division. I think Thursday, if they beat Toledo, they will clinch the division. Indianapolis is 30 29 2 and 2 with 64 points. Wheeling is 28 27 6 and 2 with 64 points. The Mountain Division sees like this two teams have clinched. The Tulsa Oilers are 36 21 4 and 2 with 78 points. Idaho is also clinched with a record of 36-22-3-2 with 77 points. Utah, 33-21-4-4 with 74 points. Kansas City, 32-24-3-2 with 69 points. Rapid City, 26-35-3 with 60 points. Wichita is 24-29-7-3 with 58 points. Allen is 23-37-4-2 with 52 points. In the Eastern Conference... Newfoundland is holding strong at first place. They'll be probably the next team to clinch at 39-19-4-2 with 84 points. Adirondack with Kevin Picknick's team, 34-22-5-3 with 76 points. Maine is holding strong at 34-26-2-1 with 71 points. Manchester is 33-26-2-2 with 70 points. Worcester, 30-24-5-4 with 69 points. Brampton, 30-26-5-1 with 66 points. And the Rolling Royals are 27 28 Four and five with 63 points. South Division, the only team in the Eastern Conference that has clinched is the Florida Everblades. Their record is 45, 16, 5, and 0 with 95 points. Like I said, a joke of a team. Orlando, 34, 22, 4, and 1 with 73 points. 73 points. Those two, Cincinnati and 
and Orlando, Cincinnati and Florida are almost the same playing teams. High-ranked teams, high-scoring teams. Jacksonville, 33-26-2-2 with 70 points. South Carolina, 29-35-164 points. On the outside, looking in Atlanta, 27-25-7-3 with 64 points. You have Norfolk at 24-31-5-3 with 56 points. And Greenville, 21-36-3-3 with 48 points. They are the worst team in the East Coast Hockey League. So, that's a full wrap of the East Coast Hockey League for you right there as you're listening to All Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts. Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now it is time to break out the brackets. It's time to talk a little NCAA tournament basketball with just a taste of what's to come this Wednesday. Before we begin talking about the NCAA tournament and breaking down the brackets and everything like that. I want to talk a little bit about what we saw this past weekend in the Mid-American Conference Tournament as well as the Big Ten Tournament. We'll start with the MAC first and foremost. When I last left you Wednesday, we were getting ready for the men's side of the tournament. Bowling Green taking on Ball State, and they won their their quarterfinal matchup against Ball State by a score of 99-86. to getting the big win at Quicken Loans Arena in the game. It was a solid performance by by Fry in the game. DeMario Wiggins, though, big points, 22 points, 9 for 11 from field goal range, 4 for 6 from the three-throw stripe. Pearson for Ball State had 25. He was 10 for 22 from field goal range. Like I said, Dylan Fry, a great game for him. Soaring past, soaring past the Fighting Cardinals. He had 20 points in the game. He was 7 for 10 from field goal range. 4 for 4 from the charity stripe. He was 2 for 3 from 3-point three land. Justin Turner, 10 points. 4 for 8 from free field goal range. He's 1 for 5 from the charity strike. And like I said, Demario Wiggins, 22 points. 9 for 10 from field goal range. 4 for 6 from the 3-throw stripe. Damian Lillard, 7 points off the bench, 3 for 8 from free overall range, 1 for 5 from 3-point range. They shot 45% from the 3-point arc, 5, 56% from the field goal range. So, the Falcons, a big win over Ball State. However, on the other side of the coin, Northern Illinois defeated Toledo by a rank by a score of 80 to 76. So Toledo went down. Buffalo was a winner on Thursday, 82 to 46 over Akron, destroying the Zips. Central Michigan was a winner, 89 to 81, which set up the semifinals. Buffalo took on Central Michigan, and Buffalo uh, 85-81 win over Central Michigan. Northern Illinois took on Bowling Green. Now Bowling Green had this game. Pretty much wrapped up. They were up eight at halftime. Let let Northern Illinois back in this game. And Dylan Fry stepped up to the plate. This kid is absolutely unbelievable. 25 points. 7 for 14 from field goal range. 7 from 8 from, from beyond on the, on the charity stripe. Absolutely amazing. Wiggins 
at only eight points in the game. Paul started for the for the Falcons. 12 points, 5 from 8 for field goal range, 2 for 3 from beyond the arc. Justin Turner had 14 points, 4 for 8 from field goal range, 1 for 3 from 3-point three arc. Damian Lillard, 2 points. Goo, 3 points. The bench really didn't step up to the plate, but overall, Bowling Green survives, makes the comeback, gets the win over Ball State Friday night. Friday night over NIU by a score of 71 to 67, which set up Saturday night. Bowling Green versus Buffalo, the third part of this matchup. Bowling Green dominated this game. Every chance that Buffalo had, they would they would capitalize on a BG mistake or a BG miss. Bowling Green came out strong in the second half, dominating, getting the lead. But it wasn't enough. Bowling Green falls to Buffalo in the MAC tournament, and Buffalo clinches and punches its ticket to the dance by a score of 87 to 63. Bowling Green looked very, very good in this team game. Bowling Green looked absolutely great. They they deserve all the credit, and I congratulate the BGSU men's team on a tremendous playoff run. But Jeremy Harrison for Buffalo, 31 points, 13 for 20 from field goal mark, 1 for 2 from the free throw stripe. You look at the box score, Bowling Green, Justin Turner, 16 points, 5 for 21 from field goal mark, 4 for 5 from the charity stripe, 2 for 7 from 3-point range. Poland, 16 points, 7 from 9 from field goal range, 2 for 3 from beyond the arc. Wiggins, 14 points, 5 for 7 from field goal range, 4 for 8 from 3-throw stripes. Fry shut down in the game, 5 points, he was 2 for 12, 1 for 8 from beyond the arc. The team in total shot. 39.4% 39.4% from field goal marks, 26% from beyond the arc. Buffalo dominating the game. And I, I'll have to say it's congratulations to BG. 22-12 and 12 overall this season. 12 losses this year for Bowling Green. So, that's the Mac. We get to the Big Ten. And I'm not going to dive fully into it like I just did with the Mid-American Conference because, you know, everybody knows what happened with the the Mid-American Con- with the Big Ten. A great game on Sunday, which led up to Friday, Thursday night games as Ohio State beat Indiana 79-75, moving on to the next round, on the second, third round. Nebraska beats Maryland by a score of 69-61. Minnesota 77-72 win over Penn State. Iowa was a winner 83-62 on Thursday, which set up Friday's quarterfinals, which saw the Ohio State Buckeyes lose to Michigan State by a score of 77-70. Nebraska loses to Wisconsin 66-62. 
Minnesota upsets Purdue. That was the big shocker of this weekend. 75-73 in and Michigan getting the 74-53 win over over Iowa. The semifinals, Wisconsin gets beat by Michigan State by a score of 67 to 55. Minnesota gets thumped by John Beeline and the Michigan Wolverines by a score of 76 to 49, which sets up the rivalry, the third matchup between Michigan State and Michigan. And boy, howdy, was it a great matchup. Seeing Tom Izzo and his boys battling it out strongly. Michigan dominating most of this game. But in the end, Izzo and his boys pull out the string and get the win by a score of 65 to 60. Great win for Michigan State. Michigan dominated most of this game. And I, I tell you, folks, well, Michigan State is possibly for real when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Possibly NCAA tournament. So the brackets come out. Brackets come out and my feeling on this was like this. When I look at the brackets, which I'm looking at right now, Michigan State was a, a two seed. Minnesota is a ten seed. Maryland's a six seed in the East bracket. Looking at the Big Ten teams, Michigan a two seed in the West. And that's the only team in the mid in the um, in the Big Ten in the West bracket. In the South bracket, Wisconsin, Purdue, Iowa. Okay, and then in the Midwest, you have Ohio State. Ohio State in this tournament. And I will get to my Andy Rance here in just a second. Buffalo did get the sixth seed overall. They are going to be in the West bracket. They'll play the winner of Arizona State and St. John's. And let's talk about the first four games that will be taking place in Dayton, Ohio, starting tomorrow night on the 19th of March. It'll be Dickerson versus Prairie View. Dickerson 20 and 13 versus Prairie View, who's 22 and 12. I'll take Prairie View in that game. The Nightcap sees Belmont 26 and 5, taking on Temple, who's 23 and 9. I'll take Belmont to beat Temple in the first four games. The West game, the games on Wednesday in the West sees North Dakota State versus NC Central. Both teams 18 and 15 overall. This is a toss-up game. I like North Dakota State in this game, and I will take North Dakota State. The nightcap sees Arizona State taking on St. John's. St. John's a very good team at 21 and 12. Gave Bowling Green a run and beat Bowling Green in the final two minutes of the game. They'll take on Arizona State, who's 22 and 10. I'm going to take St. John's in that game. So that sets up the first four games going forward. So you're wondering Andy, who is going to be in your bracket? Well the big dance starts on Thursday and on Wednesday night yours truly will be having a special version of All India for to break down and preview 
the NCAA bracket and give you my predictions. So you're going to have to wait till Wednesday. Or why not join our All Andy Elford 2019 Bracket Challenges on ESPN.com. Search in All Andy AAA 2K19 Bracket Challenge and join our Bracket Challenge by that point. The winner of the Bracket Challenge, and here is the stipulation. You have to have at least the final four teams correct, or you have to have the national championship correct. We don't care what the score is or anything like that. You have to have the first four, the final four right, or the national championship right. If you have either one of those correct, you will win. Lunch on me, and you'll have an opportunity to be on the podcast with yours truly at a date of your choosing. So there is that for you. So join the All Andy Elfer Bracket Challenge because Cinderella is looking for her shoe. As you're listening to All Andy Elfer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now let's dive a little bit about baseball, and we'll combine it also with with uh, some wrestling talk as well. So let's dive into a little bit of baseball talk. And before we dive into it, of course, some of the camps are still talking right now. We're getting actually ready for opening day, which is actually technically next week. And that's the truth, folks. As Oakland and Seattle will be playing in Tokyo, Japan for the International League Series, two games between the two of them to kick off opening week in Major League Baseball. Looking forward to seeing seeing baseball back on the tube as opening day is right around the corner. It is actually the last weekend in March. Looking forward to seeing baseball back on the television. So... Some of the camp reports coming out of it is that uh, looks like this. It looks like that um, Detroit is going to be a rebuilding team this upcoming season. Uh, the Tigers did have a game today against the Baltimore Orioles and lost 14-1 to in the split squad game, giving up six runs in the fifth inning. Three in the seventh, three in the eighth, and nine in the in the second. Zimmerman was in the game, pitched pretty good. He gets his second first loss of the season. Zimmerman pitched in the game. He went four and a third, five hits, five runs. Those earns were five earned, two walks, three strikeouts in the game. Uh, for the Orioles in the game, it was Kashner, five innings strong, three hits, one run. That run was earned, five strikeouts. He gave up. The one home to Nicholas Castellanos in the first inning. And that was all the runs that the, the Tigers had was in the first inning. They were up one nothing, and then Baltimore piled it on. The split squad game did see Daniel Norris pitch for the Tigers. He's 1-2 with a 5.06 ERA as he got the loss as they lose to the Toronto Blue Jays by a score of 3-2 in the game. Nico Goodrum had three at-bats, did not get anything going in that one. Uh, Dixon Machado, excuse me, Dixon getting two at bats. He had he walked one and struck out twice. Ronnie Rodriguez at first base had one hit. He drove in a run in the game. So good to see there. Pete Cosma three at plate appearances, one strikeout. He was left on base one time, 
Uh, Grayson Griner actually was in the game too. He catch he had one hit and one RBI in the game. Norris three innings, six hits, three runs. Those three runs were earned. One walk, two strikeouts. He gave up a homer in the game. Buck Farmer pitched an inning, gave up one walk in the game as the Blue Jays beat the Tigers today by a score of three to two. So we're getting closer and closer for the Tigers on opening day. On the opposite side of the lake, of course, is the is on the opposite side of the country are the Cleveland Indians. The Indians were in action today. They took on the San Diego Padres and lost four three to one. Trevor Bauer gets his second loss. He's one and two with a three point eight zero ERA in spring training this year. Uh, Bauer today went five and two thirds, four hits, three runs. Those three runs were earned. He had nine strikeouts in the game, but he gave up two home runs in the game at San Diego, a three one win. In that game, it was all it was uh, Jose Ramirez driving in a run in the game, the only run for the tribe in the game. Yesterday, they took on the Cincinnati Reds, and it was they both ended at a tie at nine apiece. So we're getting close tomorrow. The Indians take on the Dodgers, ten oh five Eastern, and then they will play the Anaheim Angels at nine oh five. They're getting ready to play night games now to get them ready for that. For the time frame, Pittsburgh will be Detroit will be playing Pittsburgh tomorrow, 105, and then they'll play Philadelphia and Bryce Harper. And Bryce Harper is out with an injury. The news and notes tops some of the news notes to pass along to you. It looks like it will be Gio Gonzalez is nearing a minor league contract deal with the New York Yankees. Um, but the big surprise today was that Clayton Kershaw will not start opening day. For the the L.A. Dodgers, it will be Walker Bueller. It will be starting for the the Dodgers in opening day. Looks like that. Uh, Dustin Pedroia is open. Year he will open up the year on the injured reserve list with a knee injury. It also looks like this for possibly a Bryce Harper. Is going to be out for a little bit of time with the leg injury. So uh, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens with that. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And by the way, n- the last week of March, we will have our special MLB preview edition. We're looking to tape that on either Thursday night, yours truly, Lucas Sigerson, as well as Nick the Money Man DeVero, all going to be sitting down talking about Major League Baseball, hopefully getting you ready for this upcoming season. We'll have it also on the Facebook Live feed as well. All three of us talking baseball. We're hoping to have it possibly be an open town hall situation, but we'll see what happens. See what happens. Um, we're still in the final play phases of planning it, and we'll get you more details when it soon is available. So let's talk a little pro wrestling, too, at the same time. Um, big news today is that AJ Styles signs a long-term deal with WWE. He made an announcement today on his Twitter account with his new dog that he got. Um, so he is signing a long-term deal, not being disclosed of how much and 
how long the deal is, but looking forward to seeing the phenomenal one staying in the WWE ring. Also, I want to make mention of this too. Kurt Angle announcing his retirement from in-ring participation. Uh, he will have his final match. What it sounds like he's writing it up as is either going to be Baron Corbin. It, it looks like it's going to be more towards Baron Corbin because of the uh, general managership. And um, I, I really don't like that. I think Undertaker is still looking for a man to, to wrestle. This might be the first WrestleMania without The Undertaker and John Cena participating in a match. Because we found out last week that Dave Batista is coming back to the WWE. He's going to be wrestling at at the WWE WrestleMania pay-per-view. He'll be wrestling against Triple H in a no-holds-barred match. Looking forward to seeing how that's going to shape up uh, the WWE Universal title. It's going to be Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar and... And I have a feeling Lesnar's going to lose the title because he is going to be making a move to Tuesday night. Yes, I said that right. There is talk that Brock Lesnar is going to Tuesday night with with SmackDown. Now, here's why I say that. Fox now owns the rights to SmackDown as of April 1st. So the last few episodes of SmackDown will be on the USA Network going forward. Now, they want Lesnar on SmackDown because Fox wants because Fox has some of the UFC rights still. Now, can it work out? I think it can. Because Lesnar wants to be off television for a while and wrestle in UFC for a little bit. Why not put him on SmackDown Live? And, and, and for me, the belt has to be aired every week on Raw now because of the fact that because of the fact that you know you're losing Dean Ambrose, you're losing you're losing viewership because they want to see a title shot at least maybe once every three months every three weeks. So putting the belt on putting the belt on USA Network is key. Absolutely key. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I hope that they actually come to the agreement and move him to SmackDown. I like to see The Miz stay on SmackDown as well, too. Um, we'll see what his response to Shane McMahon will be tomorrow night on SmackDown Live. Um, i also like to see if they're actually going to push Kofi as uh, Kofi Mania because he deserves it. He really deserves it. And I hate the way that WWE is writing this for him and the New Day right now. Of the gauntlet matches and the beatdowns and everything like that. And how Mr. McMahon's becoming the villain again. I hate that. You know, he was a nice guy. He was a little bit of a nice guy back in the day. And now they're trying to bring back the authority kind of a figure. I can't, I really can't stand that. I really can't. So I hope to goodness they they give Kofi the chance to wrestle at WrestleMania, and I think it would be a good, because you need a face versus a heel, Daniel Bryan, the heel, Kofi Kingston, the face, and he's been, you know, tearing it up, not only in the live shows, but also at the pay-per-views and everything like that, give him a chance, absolutely give him a chance, and the fans want it, we are the WWE Universe, you know, 
I enjoy watching wrestling every Monday and Tuesday night. I'm missing it right now because we're still taping the show and it's almost 8 o'clock. But you're listening to All Andy All for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now it's time for Andy Rants, and it is a tournament rant going forward. So Andy Rants is this. The NIT, the CIT, CIT, and the College Insider screwed Bowling Green. Now, every year, the runner-up of the Mid-American Conference Championship plays in the runner-up game, which is the NIT or one of the College Insider or whatever, whatever college game going forward. Bowling Green got screwed out of this year because of the University of Toledo. Toledo has a better RPI than Bowling Green. And Bowling Green does not get a bid at all, at all, going forward. Don't get a CIB bid. Don't get a CIT bid. They got nothing. They got screwed. You lose! Good day, sir! And... I have nobody to blame. I'm not blaming Bowling Green. I'm blaming this on I'm blaming this on the 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 committee of the NIT and the CIT because Bowling Green deserves a chance. After the miraculous run, they lost only by eight by VCU lost six to St. John's. Why not give this team a chance? And the amount of talent that this team has. Why not give them the chance. To play. For. A chance. At postseason basketball. Give them a chance. For the love of God. Bowling Green got screwed. And Toledo got screwed. Out of the seeding. I'll tell you that much in the NIT. Toledo will play Xavier. In the NIT bid for the opening round. The winner of that has to go to either Texas or South Dakota State. To play for the chance to go to Madison Square Garden in the semifinals. Tell me that doesn't suck. You get one game at home against Xavier. And you get screwed out of that. Because Xavier's a better school. Xavier's a three seed. Toledo is a six seed. In the same, they're in the same bracket. Toledo is in the same bracket as, if I'm not mistaken, Oklahoma. Yes, Oklahoma, who was one of the first four teams that got left out of the NCAA tournament. It's embarrassing. The NIT is a joke. An absolute joke. Absolute joke. Absolute joke. And the fact to call this a tournament is a joke. 
It's a damn joke. Indiana's a number one seed. Clemson, a number two seed. Memphis, a number three seed. Texas is the number two seed. Loyola, Chicago, who was the under was the surprise last year in the NCAA tournament, is a number seven seed. Creighton, a number two seed in another division. Providence, a number four seed. Colorado and Dayton, four and five seeds. Toledo is a six seed. Xavier, a three seed. Norfolk State, an eight seed. Alabama, the number one seed in that division. I mean, what's the point? What is the point? What is the point? You play basketball. The NIT and the in ma- the major college is are are key. Okay, we talk about the NIT, the CIT. We have one game. The only game that is important. There's no is Kent State was the only MAC representative. Kent State, who is twenty two and ten, you got to be kidding me. And then the CIB, you look at that bracket. The only representative from the MAC is Central Michigan. You need to tell me that Bowling Green doesn't get a bid for being the runner up in the Mid American Conference tournament game. To lead Bowling Green doesn't get anything. The damn joke. So I shame on US CIB, shame on UCIT, and shame on UMNIT. Toledo deserves a better chance at the NCAA tournament because they have a better RPI than the Ohio State University. Ohio State doesn't deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. They don't. They don't. They don't. They're horrible. Their RPI sucks. They don't have the right consistency. They're going to be limited in the first round. I'm telling you that right now. The committee got it wrong with Ohio State. They should have gave it to at least another mid-major school. Toledo could probably beat Ohio State. Plain and simple. So... If you're a Rocket fan, enjoy the game. If you're a Bowling Green fan, enjoy the brackets. And But congratulations for a tremendous run. And I, I, I applaud David Huger. A fantastic year. Fantastic year. His crew, I hope I'm looking forward to seeing what November brings to this team. Really looking forward to it. So that's going to wrap it up for All Andy L for tonight. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday for a special edition of All Andy Alford, the NCAA Bracket Show. Uh, remember, you can join the Bracket Challenge. It is AAA 2K19 Bracket Challenge on ESPN.com. We'll post the link as well on the Twitter account as well as on Facebook. Uh, brackets have to be in by noon on Thursday. Looking forward to seeing what you guys have to offer uh, and seeing who you have picked. And you'll, we'll, the big reveal will happen Thursday at noon of who I have. But you'll hear it first on Wednesday night right here on the Anchor Network. So that's going to wrap it up for all Andy for tonight. I'm going to I'm pulling, I'm going to head in and watch a rest, little bit of wrestling and uh, edit this podcast up and get ready for Wednesday night's show. But until then, this is Andy Elford saying I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams behind that you root for at home, and to my teams, the Jackets. Go, Jackets! Get the job done in Western Canada!
Go walleye and go cyclones. Not for Thursday. Let's go walleye. Go Falcons and go Spartans and go Zags. And go Tigers and go Tribe. And congratulations, BGSU Hockey. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday for a special edition of Ollie and the Alfred. But until then, I love you guys. Love you. Talk to you guys then. This has been a presentation of All Andy Elford, powered by Anchor. Follow Andy on Twitter. It is at All Andy Elford. At All Andy Elford.